Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Life in Sport. And obviously, there is a, a regular co-host appearance because we've got a former Manly player, <laughs> Angos, joining us. But we're also joined by 2008 and 2011 NRL Grand Final winner, made history with the 40-0 Grand Final in 08, Matt Ballin. Thanks for joining us. And how's your day been? <laughs> hey, boys. Uh, thanks for having me. Another day's been good. Just full of um, footy training at the Broncos at the moment. Yep. Um, and we're just in lead up to the Cowboys game. Yes. So, um, yeah, it was a big day of training, um, but it's great to be talking to you Manly fans and Queensland oh, fans here on the podcast. I'm not a Manly fan. I'm a Broncos <laughs> oh, come fan. On. Come on, CJ. You'll be right. You'll get there. <laughs> I know, but but at the same time, you are working at the team that I follow, the, which yeah. is the Broncos. How's the um, atmosphere gone? Because obviously, it's such a turnaround the last since 2020 to seven wins in a row. What was it, what was the atmosphere like at the club during those seven weeks? Yeah, oh, it's amazing. It still is really good. Um, yeah, morale's really high. Um, confidence is up with the players. Um, and they're just doing the really simple little things in the game, right? We're just tackling really well and um, yep. competing really hard on everything in the game. And it's basically what we trained for in the preseason. We tried to make it as simple as possible. Um, not in a bad way, but just trying to get back to some basics of, of yep. rugby league and what, what, you know, what we think the foundations are in the game, how we think we're going to win. And it's really played into our hands well with um, the way the game's got a lot faster it rewards yep. a lot of um it rewards fit teams it rewards skillful teams um and it rewards teams that work hard for each other so we've been lucky to um to have a young group of players who are who are fit strong and fast and work hard for each other and, and they're seeing the rewards of it now Oh, absolutely. Like, as, as I said, as a Broncos fan, it's amazing to see because as you were talking about those, um, just, you could say morals that you're trying to drill into the players, I've absolutely seen that. Like, it translates onto the field oh, as well. Good. So, yeah, absolutely. But, but we're not here to talk about the Broncos. We're here to talk about your career, <laughs> um, which started out with Manly yeah. Sea Eagles. Uh, what was it yeah. like getting, you know, going from grassroots, you know, junior footy and like in Queensland to getting a call up to sign with Manly? Yeah, um, yeah. Well, like you said, I started in Kingaroy, country Queensland, in the mm-hmm. southeast, um, and played all my junior footy with the Kingaroy Red Ants there from when I was about four. I think I started um, to run around the frost. It gets really cold at Kingaroy in the frost yep. in the morning, so little fellas running around in bare feet, um, getting frostbite, and then <laughs> and all the way till when I was seventeen, um, and I was lucky enough to get a scholarship and then contract with the Broncos and come mm-hmm. to Brisbane. Um, and play at that great club for three years. Um, I didn't play any first grade there, but learned a lot about football. Uh, Wayne Bennett was a head coach, and um, yep. Cyril Connell was the recruitment manager. He got me oh, to the club. Goosebumps. Yeah, yeah. Like just um, an amazing man who was such a gentleman, such an amazing halfback and footballer in the 50s and 60s, and then um, moved into recruitment, which he was just second to done at. He, he got a lot of great players, Darren Lockyer, um, Renew, all those great Broncos. Um, and I was lucky enough to, to – he got me to the club, um, spent three years there learning and, and working really hard on becoming a first-grade player. It wasn't to be um, the Broncos. And then, like Who you said, poached a, you? Who poached you from Manly? Well, it was Crusher Cleo. Crusher Cleo okay. and Dennis, Dennis Moore, yeah. yeah. So Crush, Crush was a recruitment manager and Dennis Moore was an assistant coach. And Dennis had grown up in Kingaroy and played football there and he coached me in my younger days. Mm-hmm. And then he made his way into um, – coaching down with with Manly, um, from Parramatta to Manly. And um, him and Crusher knew me and um, they got me down to Manly on a couple-of-year deal. And um, then the rest is sort of history from there. Played at Manly and had a really enjoyable career at the club and successful career. 
Oh, absolutely. It was, it, it was, you could say the most successful like of, you can't really parallel it because 40 nil yeah. in a grand final, you can't really, <laughs> you can't top that really. You can't. Yeah. So I'll, yeah. I'll cross it off <laughs> to Ango to, to ask some questions as a, yeah, yeah, as a manly sure, tragic. Sure. No, of course. Oh, thanks, CJ. Well, um, yeah, firstly, pleasure to meet you, Matt. I'm a huge yeah, fan. Uh, <laughs> love your work. Um, <laughs> love your work. Um, yeah, so like, like you said, you were kind of brought across to Manly, uh, great recruitment at Manly in the in the mid to late 2000s, got a heap of awesome players, and it, it showed with the premierships. But you kind of could not have debuted at a better time at Manly. I believe 2007 was your rookie season with us, it right? Was. It was, yeah. What was it like being part of a team that had only like was brand new back in the comp as a manly outfit and they're making the grand final in your rookie year? Yeah, it was pretty special, Angus. Um, we had a real good bunch of players, and like you said, um, you know, there was a heap of great recruitment done by Des was the head coach, and then Crusher was the recruitment, and Dennis Moore was the other recruitment manager and helper with the assistant. But he got Stevie Matai, um, who was from Ipswich as well. Um, they had recruited the two Stewart brothers from a young young age from the um, South Coast. Um, they got Matt Orford, you know, from higher up from the Melbourne Storm and, and Steve Bell. Beaver Menzies was playing great footy there. Um, Anthony Watmo was a junior, local junior. Um, Jason King, local junior. Uh, Brent Cott, they just recruited that year in 2007 from um, the, the Dragons. Dragons. Yep. Yeah, so um, Ben Kennedy was um, recruited from Newcastle in the sort of 2007. Yeah, 2007 was um, – well, 2006 was his last year. So the club had really been building in um, in their foundation and putting together a real solid group of players. Um, and I knew that as a young player coming into the club. Um, and that, But they really made me earn my, earn my stripes and earn my position in first grade. I spent two years in reserve grade there with Stevie Matai um, and a couple of other first grade players, Travis Burns. We spent heaps of time in reserve grade. Um and it took me, yeah, like I said, two years to get into first grade in 2007. And it was only through injury. I think it was uh, Matt Orford was injured. Um, uh, Stevie Matt was injured and um, uh, Beaver was injured as well. So I got to play in round two against the West Tigers. Um, and I started at hooker. And Michael Monaghan, who was playing hooker at that stage, got moved to halfback. And I went to hooker. Um, and we, we won the game. Um, we went on a really good winning streak in 2007 and won heaps of heaps of football and, and like you said, made the grand final. I didn't play in the grand final that year. But um, what I did find in my juniors at, at Manly was that I really had to earn my stripes and blokes like Brett and Glenn Stewart and Watmo and um, Kite, um, Jamie Lyon was there as well. They all made you aware that it was a real privilege to play for the club and um, it wasn't as if jerseys were just handed out to anyone. Yeah. So we had to work hard to get into the teams, and that's what I really felt coming into that team. So when I got there, I was a bit older. I was 23, but I felt like I was prepared and felt like I knew the value of the jersey and knew that I had to work hard to stay there. And that was something that was instilled from all those guys at Manly. Like you said, it was a fantastic time, and they were really good leaders of the club. Yeah, and how long did it take you to sort of realise from that period that you were quickly becoming the club's first-choice hooker? Well, well, in 2007, like I said, Monas played a bit of halfback um, through injury of um, a few others, and then he got, he got moved back to hooker and I was on the bench. Um, and we sort of rotated a little bit. He, he went to half or lock sometimes, and I went to lock and played hooker. 
Um, but he was fit enough and good enough to play 80 minutes at hooker. Um, and Des didn't want to carry an extra hooker on the bench. So I got squeezed out towards the end of the year. I got an injury and then I couldn't get back into the team because it was such a good team. Um, and they were playing great footy. They made the grand final, like you said. Um, so it wasn't really that year that I cemented a spot. It was sort of me and Monas sharing the role. Um, um, the club then um, didn't re-sign Michael Monaghan in yeah. 2008. Um, mm. I think they... They they just wanted to go in a different direction, um, which was great by me because it meant that I was coming into coming in there. And poor old Monas, who was captain of the club, didn't get moved on, but he just got a better offer probably from Warrington, and yeah. um, he wanted to go and see the UK as well. So he he left the club, um, and he'd done a really good job as captain, and and like I said, one of those senior players helping all the rest of the young guys, like the Stewarts and and myself and Stevie Maddow, mature into good players that were ready to win the comp. So. I think those guys that, that left, like Chris Hicks was another one who left. Um, Spider was on the wing and Michael Monaghan was another one who set the club up for success who don't get much credit. Yeah, um, Ben Kennedy yeah. was also there. He left in 2006. Um, those guys are probably the unsung heroes of, you know, the 2008-2011 grand final because they put all the work in in the lead up, helping the young fellas get better than they, they left the club for whatever reason. Um, the club goes on to win two comps without them, but... Um, but the, but the players are there. No, those guys, yeah, those guys really helped us, and we we won in two thousand and eight. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but um, yeah. shows you how good a club and Michael Monaghan and Chris Hicks are. But they both came to our end of season trip, which is in Vegas. Oh. So it's not a hard trip to come on. <laughs> it's not a hard trip to come on, but they still made an effort to stay connected and, and come with the boys to that to that Vegas trip. Um, so it shows you how invested they are in the well, club and how well, much Michael's they, now an assistant coach success. to Des. Yeah, yeah, I've been. Yeah, well, I was there for three years and working with Monas and and Chad Riel, another another hooker who was um, a big part of the lead up to those grand final wins. Um, Chad's a you know his dad's played a lot of footy for for the Seagulls and goes down as a life member there. Um, and then Chad's played I think seventy or eighty games for the club, um, and now he's back coaching there. So there's a lot of history between those those players that were at the club. Moved away and then are now back in the club. And and it also says a lot about the club as a whole that players want to come back in their retirement years as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And there's like, like I said, those those players, like Chad's got a lot of history, family history with his dad playing footy there in the 60s and 70s and winning, winning grand finals. Um, and him and Des are really close. And that's obviously the reason why Chad's back. But Chad loves the club. He loves the Northern Beaches area. So does Monas. Monas loves living there. And he's just a great... Great fellow and a great person to have around the club. Absolutely. And little side plug for the podcast. Go and check yep. out our episode that we did with uh, Michael Monaghan. It was close to two years ago now. But obviously yep. you brought him up, so I thought anyone who wants to listen to that can go and check that out. Um, yeah. Ango, any other questions? I'm, I think there's one about uh, the 2008 Sexiest Man in League, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Well, it always I, well, comes up. It always comes yeah. up. <laughs> well, I was going to say the amount of – you've won, obviously, a lot of accolades throughout your career, two premierships. Um, brilliant, being a brilliant player all round and a brilliant bloke. Um, but <laughs> one, one, one accolade that um, I guess you're really highly remembered for is in 08, you won the Sexiest Man in League Award with Adidas. I remember like a few <laughs> other recipients around that period included the Morris Twins and stuff like that. Like, What was that yeah. whole process like and when did you first realise you'd been nominated for this? Uh, I'm just looking myself up on the um, 
on the on the on the things. The boys that <laughs> yeah. wherever I go, look whether I'm at the Broncos or at, um or at Manly, they always bring that up and they bring out the photos. And oh, I'm just searching them now, but I can't find any. But the boys always always bring that one up. So uh, there's not there's not there. It's all funny ones. But that was it. Was a great time. It was a, it was a special year. Like it was a real it was a year where it had a real magical feel about it. Uh, on and off the field, um, we did that did that photo shoot. I think it was just before the finals. And um, the funny thing was, it was it was it was a photo shoot. I keep telling everyone this. I justify myself. It was okay. for breast cancer. It was all yeah, okay. all, the, all the money raised was for breast cancer. That's good. Mm. And um, so I, I, before I did the photo shoot, they they rang me and asked me, and I said, "Oh, okay, I'll, I'll get back to you." And because um, it was fully naked photos, but oh. you just had a had something placed in the yeah, area where you couldn't see it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah strategically placed. And I looked at the previous year's ones, and it was um, there was Jonathan Thurston. Yeah, there was a couple of other blokes, and they were pretty like not tacky, but they were just like real out there, like real yeah. in your face photos. So then I, I told them um, that I'd talk to my mum. So I rang my mum and said, "Oh, mum, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is what these people have asked me to do." I said. It's for breast cancer. There's going to be some money raised for it. And she goes, oh, okay, just just make sure it's tasteful when you do it. <laughs> so there was none where I was, there's none, there's none where I'm sitting back there with the legs up and with that with the ball over. It was more like yeah. um, I guess nicely placed photos where you can't see anything. But yeah, but we had a good time. It was pretty, I was pretty nervous. It was probably the nervous I've, I've ever been in front of a camera. Wow. Getting yeah. photos taken of you naked and um, like the whole cast around there and it was pretty. It was, looking back on it now, it was pretty funny and pretty um, nerve wracking. But it was a good experience. We raised a heap of money for breast cancer, um, and I beat Dave Shillington, who's one of my mates. So um, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll live off that that that, that title. That there hasn't been a, a sexiest man of league since two thousand eight. So I'm the reigning You're sexiest the reigning. man of league. Yeah, yeah. still fourteen <laughs> still, years in a row. That's right. Oh. That's, right. that's right. They say I'm a bit more rugged now, but I'll, I'll take it. Um, I don't think you've aged a day. Yeah, please. <laughs> I, I, I just had a question pop up in my head. Um, you played quite a lot of your footy in headgear, but also not in headgear at the same time. But the back end of your career, you definitely played with more, headgear more often. Uh, what yeah. was the deciding factor? Was it concussions such yeah. as these nowadays? or No, nah, it, really, it wasn't concussions. Um, I, I got some pretty bad cuts on my eyes. Um yeah, you probably you can probably see them like when I get up close, but um, yep. they just kept opening up every game because um, uh, the way I tackled, I just put my head in really tight. It was just just the way I was. Like I didn't, um, yeah, I just got my head in really close to the tacklers, and and I liked to be that low sort of style tackler where you'd hit around the hips or yep. chop in at the legs, and sometimes you cop an elbow and knee. And it just got to the point where these cuts kept opening up. At one stage, I had two cuts on this this right eye. Yep. And in the same game, and then one on this other eye. Fuck. So I wore the headgear and I wore it oversized. Um, I wore it with this really big headgear. That yeah, tried I was going to say it was cover, literally. Cover yeah. I literally <laughs> sometimes it was like you had the blinkers on, you couldn't see too much. <laughs> and the boys used to give it to me. I, wore, I just wore it. I got a photo of it. The boys um, used to give it to me where that's me yeah. in the headgear. Yeah. yeah. That's it. So I used to wear it. So I come down right over my eyes. Yeah. As low as I could get it just to cover the. The eyelids from getting cut, and it used to help just with all the the the, the elbows or the knees that, that come in there because it, yeah. it was it got to a point where I was getting cut every game or most games, and um, it was affecting um, yeah, my recovery, affecting my training. Well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, being and then you have to go to the back and get it taped up, and then you couldn't train properly during the week, couldn't do your contact work, so I, I just started to wear the headgear for that. There was no other reason with the concussions. It doesn't really help with the concussions. It sort of 
it, it might help with a glancing blow, but if you get a good solid concussion, your head sort of, your brain's like your fist and then your skull's like this, so the brain yeah. comes back and whacks the skull mm. and, and the, the superficial stuff, uh, which the headgear protects from, doesn't really help you. So that was the main reason behind it. Um, uh, just the cuts on the eyelids, that, that was it. Yeah, fair. Uh, yeah. Ango, one of your uh, topics you've got is um, playing 182 consecutive games at hooker for Manly. Yeah. I want to ask him about that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was a – is it a club record or an NRL record? It must have been at one point. 182 consecutive games is just yeah. absolutely insane. <laughs> like, what's the secret to your consistency and longevity? Yeah, well um... – um, it, it was a club record. Um, I know because Michael Robertson, who was our winger, who was another like fantastic player for Ma- for Manly, um, three tries in the state of, in the um, grand final oh, right. of yep. two thousand eight. Yeah, mm. um, he played one hundred and thirty five straight. Um, and I remember it. I got when I was getting close to him. He was saying, "Oh, you know, like, watch out, you don't get injured this week." Just saying little things like that at training, and he's like, "Oh, look, <laughs> you know, I want to break my record." And just just all this funny stuff that footy boys do. <laughs> Um, so he'd, he'd held the record before that. And then, yeah, I got to 182. But um, there was, I just really prided myself in playing um, for Manly and playing 80 minutes. Um, and then I remember at the start of every year, I'd have this goal to play in the, the 25 rounds. I think 20 might be 24 rounds with the two boys. And, yeah. and then I wanted to play in the, in the three finals or four, four finals you play in, in the, to get to the grand final. Yeah. I remember just having this this goal every year of I want to play all the games, all the fixtures, and then hopefully three finals, so the major semi or the the, the first semi, then the prelim, and then the grand final. Yep. So that was my mindset that I'd play 27 games in the year. Um, during the year, I'd do everything I could as far as recovery, training, um, eating well, staying off the drink as much as I could yep. um, to get myself through it. But the main thing was I just loved playing for Manly and I loved – the fact that I prided myself on playing 80 minutes of footy and 27 games in the year, 24 fixtures and three finals, and and us getting to the grand final and winning it, and that was just a real clear goal I had every year. Yep. Um, and that's what kept me going. Like there was times where I had hip pointer injuries, I had rib cartilage injuries, the the, the eye cuts, um, shoulders were busted, but it was just a bit of a culture at the club. Like we had Des, who was a great head coach who would encourage us to play and play for each other. So we had boys like Jason King, who was, you know, just a rampaging front rower who played with injury. Brent Kite played with injury. Brett Stewart played his whole career with injury. Glenn Stewart with injury. Anthony Watmo injury. Um, there's not a player that I can't think of at the club that played through like an injury where at some point in his career where he should have had the time off. Yeah. But it meant so much to him to play that he put the pain and the, um, you know, the, the, the um, the arthritis after footy aside, yeah. and he just played yeah. play that game for the club. Like, he, yeah, that's because what it was like. You know, was, was big the the club and playing and all that for the club was bigger than the individual. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was that was definitely the sentiment, and that was shown through that through players playing with injury, through players taking pay cuts to stay at the club, um, and then and then you get that the the, the byproduct of that is the two premierships. You know, Absolutely. unlike you still get the third one. Against the Roosters in 13. Mm. But, um, you know, that's the byproduct of the players training really hard, enjoying the culture of the club. Des is a head coach, really bringing everyone together. Um, 
and it gives it gives me goosebumps still to this day. The the the, the way we play for each other and the the feeling you'd have in the locker room afterwards, and it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool environment and one that's um, probably it's really hard to replicate. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to say, sorry to interrupt, Ango, 2011 okay. and 2008, there's two grand finals, two grand final wins, two very different score lines, two very different clubs that you guys played against. Yeah. Um, and 2011, if I'm being honest, from a non-manly fan standpoint, you guys didn't look like much of a chance of making the grand final in the last sort of five, six rounds of the season leading into the yeah. finals. What yeah. sort of vibe was it? And what was the difference in 2011 compared to 2008? Um, yeah, it was a different vibe. Um, we, we had a bit of disruption in 2011 with um, Brett Short was injured a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he had hammy problems and he'd had his he'd had his major knee surgery. Like people don't understand the the severity of Snake's knee injury. Like he had this operation called an osteotomy where they go in and they cut out a part of your bone in your leg, and then they straighten it up to take the pressure off the, the um, outside. He had lateral meniscus and cartilage damage. Yeah. Um, I'll come back to that other part, but I just wanted to mention him because he had this massive operation where he was lucky to even play footy again, let alone at the NRL standards. And now, now his knees are, are pretty well cooked because yeah. he he put aside um, that 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 injury and played football and, and kept going. Like he he did fantastically well just to get back to being running, yeah. let alone playing the footy he did. And he was instrumental in that grand final win in 2011, but. Yeah, there was all these injuries. Um, we had um, disruption um, against that game in Melbourne, where um, against <laughs> Melbourne, the Battle of Brookvale, where yes, where um, where Wolf. Glenn got suspended and Kieran Foran got suspended, and Wolfman broke his neck. Wolfman broke his neck. Yeah, that's right. So all these disruptions happened. Um, we had a young squad. We had Will Hopawade, who was eighteen. Um, we had Daly Cherry Evans, first year in the club. Kieran um, Foran. Yeah, Kieran Foran was young and and. Um, we had this sort of new side. We lost Matt Orford, our captain. Um, Jason King was injured. He didn't get to play in the semifinals or grand final. So we come up against all this adversity um, throughout the year. And like you said, it was looking a bit dodgy towards the back end, but um, we just had really strong leaders. And, and Glenn was a big part of that. He couldn't play footy for the last uh, three weeks going into the grand final, but he was always at training. He was always positive. He was always cheering the boys up about how we can win if all we need to do is play the type of footy we're capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he came back and played in that grand final and, and got Clive Churchill and just yeah. had a great game of football after four weeks off playing and then just to walk straight into a grand final and do that, it's amazing. Um, so the, the thing is we had all this disruption um, and the different vibe was that we could handle it. We'd all been to the 2008 grand final, some blokes to the 2007 grand final, and lost it. Um, so we had all this experience in the bank. Um, we had these great leaders in our football team, and we had the great head coach in Des Hasler and Jeff Tuvey, um on the sideline. So um, the reason why it was a different vibe is we'd been there, we'd done that with 2007, 2008. We're a hardened footy team. Um, we knew we could win games without Glenn in it for a period of time. We knew we could win games without Brett in it for a period of time during the year. We had um, Will Hopawale step up and play fullback. Yep. Um, so we just knew we could we could beat the team any team that they came up against on that day. It happened to be the Warriors, who are very unpredictable and um, can throw anything at you. But it was never really in doubt when you when you ask us and yep. when our mindset going into that year was never any doubt around us making the grand final or winning the grand final. It was always just tunnel vision and mind on the job. So that, that's probably the different vibes that we had. 
Yeah, absolutely. I've got one more question for you, and then I'll pass it off to Ango to continue yeah. his topics. Um, <laughs> it's to do with Manly and also Queensland, because yep. obviously they're the same colours. Oh, do you have to bring that up? Yes, I do. <laughs> and I'll, I'll just another side note. Let me not, just not get my that, blues but... shirt out. You're on at the moment, Angus, are you, after that win? Yeah, 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 it doesn't happen too often nowadays. But uh, that's good. Uh, but before I go into the question, obviously, um, Manly does. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I may be wrong. Angus could correct me um, because it's to do with Queensland and Manly. That Manly have are uh, the sorry of any NRL New South Wales based club. They have had the most Queensland representatives since 1980 State of Origin started, and you're obviously wow. one of them. Which yeah. my question is. Um, you played one game in 2010, which was a series um, that Queensland won, obviously, during that decade of dominance. I'm not sorry, Angus. Um, <laughs> but also, you were part of those two grand finals on either side of those years in 08 and 2011. Which yep. was um, closest to you? We spoke about this earlier before we started recording, but which one do you hold yep. dearer? The representing Queensland and winning a state of origin game, which was part of the series that ended up winning, or yep. the two grand finals? Yeah, um, yeah. Like I said before, it's um, it's a it's a hard one to answer. There's, there's two different feelings in it. Um, you can't discount either one because either one is is an amazing feat. Um, you know, not many people get to play in the NRL Grand Finals. Even fewer probably get to play Origin. Um, and, and like you said, in that team, which was you know full of Slater was fullback, um, Cronk was on the bench, uh, Lockyer was my five eight, mm-hmm. Jonathan Thurston was the halfback. Um, the front rollers were Petro Simonaceva and, um, you know, this this side of star-studded players was stacked side, yeah, really stacked side. Greg Inglis in the centres, um, just unbelievable. Darius Boyd on the wing, just a great, really great RIP side. New South Wales, has a lot got to say. Yeah, that, that was a tough time, but New South Wales are right. It was a, it was a tough one. But um, for me personally, um, because I was only involved in that one state of origin, the, the grand final wins held a, spe- held a more special place for me. The Origin win was fantastic. It was amazing. It was a great experience. Um, the one game I got to have was just an unbelievable experience for myself and my family. Uh, Mum and Dad flew down from Kingaroy and watched the game and just just something hard to describe um, as far as it. In, uh, and the reason why I think the other one is the, the NRL Grand Finals more special because it was more part of a team that you'd spend a lot of time with. Yeah. We'd just been over the history of Manly from seven when I came to eight when we won that comp, it was just this real special feel. And you like spend the brotherhood sort of thing. The brotherhood. Yeah. Brotherhood. Yeah. You spend 12 months in that one year of 2008 training for this one goal that we all have this common theme for and this common want to win. We've been smashed in 2007 by Melbourne. <clears throat> We're all hurt from that. So we all just trained our, our backsides off for that whole year and just dedicated our whole life to really winning that comp, win that grand final. And so for me Melbourne to be again, Against Melbourne, yeah, that's right. Yeah, a team that was a fantastic team full of superstars. Um, so for me, it was the grand final win um, in yeah. 2008. Like there's none, even the even the a grand final win in 2011 wasn't as special as the 2008 one to me because of the team we had and the um, the the hard work that had gone into it, the disappointment the year before, the how tight we all were. Um, so it, it, to me, nothing will go past that 2008 and grand final. Also, being able to get one over the storm, the given of the previous <laughs> cheaters year was the other way around. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's it. Well, like the previous year, they they hammered us, um, and there was this real bitter rivalry. Like it was mm. literally hatred. We were talk- I was, 
Because I've been in Origin camp and I was talking to Billy and um, Billy Slater and Cameron Smith about it just this last week. I, I was saying, look, it was actual, like, literal hate. Like, it's not the type where you just say, oh, we dislike them and all that. It was, like, full-on hate for each other because... Did they agree? Well, yeah, they agreed. Yeah, they did. Like, it was at the time. And, and I didn't really know them at the time, right? Like, yeah. in 2007, I had no affiliation with them. There was no Origin that I played until 2010. So 2007, hated them because they beat us. 2000. Um, eight Still hated them because we beat them. Yeah, hated them because we beat them. And but they were, they were top of their game. We were top of their game. Two thousand nine. Um, I think they were stripped in two thousand nine of the premiership. Mm-hmm. Um, still hated them. Um, two thousand ten. I got to actually play with them and be involved in a team with them. So it started to soften a little bit. Started to get up to know them as blokes. And um, then and they were good well in twenty eleven. And then back to like the hatred thing, which is just the way you were, mainly Like you just hated other teams because. That's just the way we were. Look, we wanted to win and whatever got us up for the battle was what inspired us and what motivated us. So we just were like, oh, they hate us. We hate them. Let's go and, out. And how did Billy and yeah. um, and Cooper, obviously, and Cameron as well in the camp react and, and all that when you um, – Angus's camera was up there. gets back on. Um, and uh, how did, how did the, battery warning. the – Battery warning. You could say the trio <laughs> react when you were in camp, um, more or less – because of that rivalry, and when I say oh. camp, I don't mean the 2010. I mean the the re- the current. Camp oh, the recent one. No, 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 no. That was fine. No, it's fine now. Like it's, it, it, it we get along really well. Like Billy That's actually right. called me to ask me to come into camp to do the um, assistant coaching stuff. Um, but but when I first went into Origin in that 2010 period, that was when I was a little bit. It wasn't frosty. It was just a bit awkward because of that hatred that we have, like that real hatred. Like it wasn't like I keep trying to. Reiterated, it wasn't just like oh we dislike them. It, it was, was like we hate them. If you were given the yeah. chance, yeah. Well, that's what happened with the Battle of Brookvale. <laughs> yeah. The Stewarts just hated them, and yeah. and when you're in that team, you're just like okay, I hate them too. You know, like no matter you don't even know them, you just know them from playing footy against them, but you just actually hate them because you want to beat them so bad. Yeah. Um, so when I got into camp, I just introduced myself, and it was like um, reasonably quiet at first, but then as we got to be around each other, and that Queensland spirit came through, and we all. Uh, bonded and and had a good time, but even even post that Origin camp, I had runnings with Cameron Smith on the field. Like we had a bit of a battle because we were both yeah. that hooker position, and you know at one stage he um, I had a voice injury and he elbowed me in the head when I was on the ground, so I went after him and there was a bit of a scuffle and just I things like that. just yeah just things like that. So, but it wasn't really it wasn't ever out of disrespect. It was just out of competitiveness to win the game and to your team. trying to win the game, competitiveness, and that's what that's what. We brought out of each other, and we still laugh about it. We're going to be in camp, and um, you know, Slater had the—he was always jumping up and trying to get the boots into you. He, he yeah. knew all the tricks, mm. like how to how to get it. And we always tried to rough him up too, so it was it was fair game either side, you know. Like either yeah. side was just into it, and they and tactically we were two of the best teams, and physically we were probably two of the best teams too. So whatever advantage we could get over them we 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 tried to do and so did they that's exactly like i was about to bring that up um it's a it's a very yeah. much of a vibe of like in particular origin one obviously we saw cameron munster you, you could say definitely play up a penalty from a tackle which in my opinion people are like mm. oh he's a grab he's milking a penalty in my opinion it's a <laughs> i was one of those people if you can get your team <laughs> an edge if you can get your team that edge in a legal way yeah you can do it regardless yeah, if it's origin right, yeah. or not because it gets your team that little bit of an edge yeah, yeah, for sure, and um, and it doesn't look good. That's that's no. the thing. Like it doesn't. Like the fans hate it because we talk time. about being tough, but, but to get the win. 
that's right. We're playing within the rules. Like when I, when I coach now, if they get any sort of crusher pressure on their neck, or you know, or a, a, a slight tap on the head, you, you just tell them to stay down now because it's such a technical advantage to get a full penalty. Mm-hmm. You you kick for touch twenty meters down the field, you get a bit of a break, you attack their try line. Like it's Absolutely. you're crazy if you if you don't take advantage of it. And and if they've hit you in the head, they've technically broken the rules, so it's not yep. your fault. It's it's their their infringement. So exactly it's same with the crusher fault. tackle. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And that's what. And that's what teams that are really good do. They, they're not worried about what other people outside of them say. They're not worried about the noise outside of Melbourne or Manly or Brisbane or wherever, wherever you're at. They just do what they think is the right thing to do to get the win, and that's it. They're happy to live with it. Exactly. And I'll cross it over to Angov to uh, finish it off with whatever topics he's got left. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a few. Um, so we, we, you, speaking of grand finals just a minute ago, I really want to touch on the greatest day in rugby league history, the 5th of October, 2008, um, <laughs> when, of course, Manly smashed uh, Melbourne 40-0, yeah. and you were obviously a big part of that team. But yep. on that day, you were talking earlier about how it's such an exclusive club to play in a grand final, uh, play in the state of origin, but you mm. joined an even more exclusive club on that day, becoming a grand final try scorer. Uh, how did yeah. that feel to score the first try in a match? Oh, surreal. Like, absolutely surreal. Um, yeah, it was – I remember when it was, it was at the 24th minute um, mm-hmm. and we'd had, a we'd had like, a real, real tense, like, back-and-forth battle for 24 minutes. So no no try scored. Um, Israel Folau was playing amazing footy for them. He was cutting us apart a bit. Like, he was, he was worrying us at the start. And then we got some momentum and we just spent a couple of sets down their end. Um, now, I think Steve Bell – Beaver might have kept in on the field. Beaver could have been interchanged and he passed the ball to Belly. And remember, Belly was always off that right foot. He was a right centre, right foot, right foot, right foot. He'd never go out to his winger. He'd always come back in and he jinked and jinked and jinked and he got tackled like about, um, might have been 10 metres in from the sideline. Um, and then I went, to, I went to dummy half and I noticed on their short side they didn't have, their hooker was there, um, Aiken, I think it was, yeah. Russell Aiken. And Greg Inglis was there and Billy Slater was there. So they were a little bit short on troops and this big space. So I just thought, oh, I'm just going to – I didn't even actually think. I just got to dummy half and it just all happened. Like I can't actually describe what happened. Like I just look back on it and think what, what I was actually thinking. And I just got out and just got in low. And then I remember Billy's legs coming down, his studs came down. Yep. Um, yeah. And he was trying to get under the ball. And he, I think he got me in the face with the studs. Um, and GI, Greg, Greg Inglis was there and a big, strong thing. And I just somehow managed to get the ball and just got it down. And then and they, and they, I, when, I, when I scored it, I was like, fuck, I'm pretty sure I got that ball down. Yeah. But they, they went to the third umpire. They went to the third umpire yeah. and, yeah. and they're all coming in. Beavers was the first there. And they're all coming in and they're going, yeah. did you get it down? And I was going, yeah, yeah I, got, I got it down. I got it down. Like I was just, I was pretty gassed because it was that frantic period. And they go to the video ref and you can sort of see clearly that it comes down and Billy's legs come across and studs come up. And um, and I just remember then taking a real deep breath and walking back to half halfway. Um, like but even then you don't... Sort of deep breath? Yeah, well, just like, um, just like a sigh. Yeah, a sigh of relief. Yeah, definitely a sigh of relief. Like it was... Um, I was just like, holy shit! I just scored in the grand final. Yeah. But, I, <laughs> but, I didn't, <laughs> but I didn't even really. Um, I didn't even really think that then. I was just like, um, all right, what's the next job? Um, let's get back into it. That's that's how much of a tunnel vision we had. Um, and Des was the coach, so he really trained us into doing that. Um, 
And so I just got back to halfway. I remember the camera being on me, but I was just like, fuck, don't look at the camera. Just <laughs> yeah, think about your next cool. job. Think about your next job. Um, <laughs> and and it, all the talk was about, okay, get to your, get to your next kick in, in, um, in, a, in offense and then let's just keep bashing them basically. And then, and that was it. And I think we got to halftime. It was 8 0. Michael Robertson scored another try. Um, so it was still really tight, even at halftime. So it was just like, um, didn't open then, up until like the back, like the last 20 or so minutes, really, of the, yeah. of the grand final. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I, I came off, I'm pretty sure, about 55 minutes in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, had, I could feel my calves cramping. And I said to the trainer after a try, I said, Oh, my calves are starting to cramp up a bit. Um, you should get. Stranger on Keith the Stranger is our hooker off the bench, mm-hmm. and because he's like just a jack in the box, like fast energy, <laughs> like enthusiasm, and I could see him sitting on the sideline frothing, just waiting to get on. <laughs> so I was like, I need to get out of here. Like I'm, I'm like I prided myself on playing eighty minutes, but I was gassed. Like I was, and so the best thing for the team was for me to go get off and let him come on, and and like you said, then the game opened up. He created some momentum with his. Fast feed out of dummy half and his passing game, and I think he set up one or two tries and was had another hand in one other one, and um, then it just opened up, and then you know, Belly scored, um, uh, Brent Kite scored, um, Wolfman scored, everyone Brett, basically. Brett Stewart, <laughs> yeah. I know Brett Stewart didn't get one that day, did he? Brett Stewart didn't get one. I don't think he did. No, but, he's the one that flicked set, it out to Belly at the end. Set Belly up, set Belly up, and then yeah. Beaver and Beaver got well, Beaver got. Um, the second last try, I think. But what a way to yeah. go out for him, oh, though. 08 is yeah. last season with Manly, and he goes out on a grand final win and a try to go with it as well. Unbelievable. Eh? Yeah, we couldn't believe it. Like, he tried to make the whole week not about himself. It totally was about him, though. Yeah, well we, well, we all knew it was, but um, he was real adamant that um, that he just wanted to go out and play footy. He didn't want it to be about him because yep. it was his last game because he was going overseas and... He just wanted it to be about the team winning, yep. but um, but when he scored that try, we couldn't help but make it about him. And he was, he it's was, like was amazing, humble bloke. But um, it's funny before he went on to score that try, I think he went on and he scored it like within about twenty seconds of being on the field. Yeah, yeah, he just came on from Madelaide, didn't he? Yeah, he just come on, Matty. Um, Stevie Madelaide hurt his neck, um, and got taken off. But I was sitting with him on the sideline. It was it was myself, um, Josh Perry, uh, Mark Bryant. Uh, and one other, I forget who the other one was. Might have been, I forget who it was. Might have been Jason King. Yeah. And um, I was sitting there and Beaver, we were winning by, I think we were winning by 32 or something at that stage. And Beaver was starting to freak out on the sideline. So <laughs> I literally, like literally, <laughs> it's funny, but it was literally he's going, am I dreaming? Is this happening? Um, I can't believe this is happening. This is like, like literally he was wigging out on the sideline. Oh. Um, he couldn't. He couldn't believe it was happening. Like it was just too good to be true. And like then, so um, many players miss out on that opportunity to go out on a grand final win. Yeah, yeah. And he, he was just like, "Is this really happening?" Like this, and we we're like, "Yeah, babe, it's happening." Like we're, we're sitting here at ANZ Stadium, um, and then <laughs> to calm then stare. Yeah, yeah. Well, literally, then Stevie Matalo was was coming off, and then Beaver has to always go for a leak. Yes, he does. Just at the wrong time, so he went had to had to have a leak, and then. Got back on. Um, so this is all just after he'd been freaking out, involved in the play, and then scores a try coming off um, Robbo, who passes the ball back inside to him. So just a blessed footballer, but it was just amazing for somebody who played so much footy to be freaking out on the sideline just about how amazing this thing was. So it was really special to him. So we couldn't believe how special it was to us. Absolutely. And Angus, um, we've got time for about maybe two or three more of your topics. Right, go ahead. 
Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, uh, speaking of grand final tries, um, obviously you scored the first try of 2008, greatest yep. night ever. Um, <laughs> but you nearly scored uh, another, like, absolutely oh. insane try in the 2011 grand final. I was right cut down. Yeah. I, was cut, I was cut down by Sam Rapira, a front rower for the um, for the Warriors. So the boys were giving me that much rubbish about it uh, the next day and then all through the rest of my career. But, um. So Sam Rapira had just come on the field. I'll, I'll, I'll start by telling you that. So the front row that ran me down, yeah. and he's a fast front row. But um, what happened was Glenn Stewart got the ball 20 metres out from our try line, so coming off our try line, and he's – um. so this is the bloke who hadn't played footy for four weeks, yeah. and he does this left foot grubber. He's a left footer playing on the right side. He does this left foot grubber from 20 metres out through, and it goes to Michael Robertson on the wing who's chasing. Mm-hmm. He picks it up, runs back down the field, and I've just been pushing up on the inside and Cherry Evans is pushing up as well. And something happened, like someone got sort of taken out and I end up with the ball about uh, 40, 50 metres out from the Warriors' try line. Mm. So I think Daly Cherry Evans might have accidentally taken out their fullback um, who was – uh, what's Locke. his name? Kevin Locke, yeah, Kevin Locke. Yeah. So so I'm like just pinning the ears back because I'm thinking here's another try because mm. I can see that the wide open space, Butterboy's been taken out um, earlier. So I'm pinning the ears for the right corner. Anyway, I realise about 10 metres out, I'm not going to make it. This Sam Rapira's caught up to me. <laughs> so I just, instead of trying to score in the corner, I just sort of slow down and get tackled. Well, we didn't slow down. He just caught up with me and tackled me, but I made sure I didn't go out because yeah. I thought if I go out, then our whole set's fucked. And, um, you know, we're, we've got these blokes on the back foot and the Warriors won't know for effort and effort. Um, so I get tackled in the corner. It goes pass, pass to Cherry Evans, who then dummies to Shane Rodney, who'd come off the bench and scores um, right next to right the, next post. the post. And like, yeah, and I, I think tried. it was the best I think it was the best move I've ever done getting tackled because I don't know if if, if, they, if I score the try, I'm, I'm a, I could be a two-try hero, yep. but if I score it, I reckon they go back and review the, the try. Mm, yeah. And... Cherry, I'm sure he takes out Kevin Locke. Like, I'm sure something happens. I they don't have, know like, a sandwich. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know whether it's it's Kevin Locke's defensive decision or Cherry Evans runs into him, but it was still 50-50. So um, that's what I tell them while I get run down. I said, oh, boys, I thought it was going to be a penalty, so I got run down. So <laughs> once I get tackled, then you score in the second play, Cherry. You can't be reviewed. So yeah. that's what I tell them all anyway. But, um, but it was a bloody great feeling, but I just – I don't know whether I – would have got the try if I, if I scored. I don't know whether they give it to me or not, but um, yeah. I would have loved to score a try in two grand finals. That would have been something special. Yeah, yeah it almost was. Yeah. Club. yeah. 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 And, and uh, yeah, one, one more like, kind of almost a story here before I, I toss it back to you, CJ. Yeah. Um, you, you might not realise this, Matt, but we've actually met once before very briefly. Cool. Um, mm. <laughs> um, what about it was um, after a trial game, I believe, at Central Coast Stadium. Um, okay. I think it was against the Roosters. It would have been like 2013, 2014. Was that the trial game you went to the day after meeting Wolfman? I think it was. It must have been the same year. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was just a yeah, little nice. fresh-faced, chubby, brace-faced kid. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, I think Manly won. I, I'm pretty yep. sure. And the the boys were walking around saying hi to the little kind of fan contingent that went out there for the trial game. Me and the family went out all, all together. Um, I should say to me and Dad are Manly fans. My mom and my sister 
South Sydney yep, fans, yeah. so they were kind oh, of yeah. indifferent. Yep. Um, but yep. that, that that's encouraging me, like, Gus, go go down and say good day to the players and stuff. And yeah. so I, I missed the majority of it because um, there was a good little throng of fans there. But you were staying out there and saying hi to as many people as possible. And I actually got the chance to go up and say good day to you. Oh, we got a oh, selfie, good. which unfortunately I couldn't find it because I think it was on my old phone. Oh, um, okay. yep, but yep. I, I do remember the conversation we had. Um, yeah. So here I was, a, a, a fresh-faced, mostly rugby league fan, really yeah. young, kind of not yeah, as understanding as I am now. And I, yep. I ask you, I say, so why do you play for Queensland? <laughs> <laughs> and, and what did I say to you? What did I say? Yeah. Well, he said, oh, well, I was born there and I played my first footy there. And I said, I, I, I was like, at the time, I was like, oh, okay. But in my mind, I was like, mm, not good enough. No. <laughs> in my mind, I was like, how does how does he play for a New South Wales based team and but he plays for yeah, Queensland? It makes yeah. no sense. Well, that's it. That's a, yeah, that's, and so, are you okay with it now? Is it all right now? Is it, have you yeah, got I've, it? I've gotten over it now. I understand oh, how good. origin works now. That's I've good. Well, well, it's funny. It's funny, Angus, because um, I got I got three three kids, and um, so I, I obviously played for Queensland, born in Queensland, and, and grew up there. They were born in in Sydney, New South Wales, and um, and when when I played for Queensland, they they sort of asking, oh, why did you play for Queensland?" I said, oh, well, "I was born there. Um, you know, I grew up there and played my first football there." Yeah. And so then I sort of said to them, well, you, you guys are Queenslanders still. And they go, no, no, we're New South Wales, New South Welshmen. Yeah. I said, oh, what, why is that? And he goes, oh, well, I was born in New South Wales. I played my footy there and I grew up there. Mm-hmm. So he you got see. me on that. So then I said, oh, fair enough. And they still go for New South Wales to this day. Yeah, no, so, I mean, you see, by eligibility rules, I'd only yeah. be eligible for New South Wales, though, because the only thing for me with Queensland is I was born there. I played junior footy for Gosford Townies, which is Matt Orford's yeah. junior club. Played for yeah. Gosford Townies. If I had ever made any rep footy, it would have been for, in New South Wales. So even though I'm a yeah. Queenslander at heart and born there, I'd only be eligible for New South Wales, which fucking sucks. You're a New South Welshman. No, I'm born and raised. <laughs> <laughs> Born and raised New South uh, Wales, played cool. Division Four men's Oz tag at um, Wingara. Oh, there you go. There you go. You're <laughs> full New South Wales then. Uh, and you got right. the shirt on underneath. Before we yeah, go, that's right. I is, thought I'd wear this. <laughs> before we go and and wrap this up, is there any advice you'd give to any youngsters who'd love to try and make it in the NRL one day? Well, yeah, I can probably only think of my experience, um, and, and that's the best way I can describe what what I've been through and. And, and the path that I know, I guess, to 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 play in first grade, um, I would just number one believe in yourself. That, that's mm-hmm. a, that's the biggest thing. Like when I was a kid, I just had believe in yourself and dream about what you want. Like I just dreamed about playing for the Broncos. Um, I love the Broncos growing up. Um, do you follow them now? <laughs> I, I do follow them now. Every week I follow. We got every game. That's true. Got to <laughs> every game. <laughs> um, oh, I love Good answer. Uh, <laughs> the Broncos is a great club. Like it's seriously like one of the, Did you one of the strong clubs. Up? Yeah, I love the Broncos growing up. Yeah, that was my team. Yeah, the Alan Langers, the, the Darren Lockers a bit later on, the Wally Lewis's. Um, yep. They were my heroes, the Broncos. And I, that's all I wanted to do as a kid. So my dream was just to play NRL or ARL for the Brisbane Broncos. Um, so I, so for kids that going out there that want to play, if that's your dream, then have that at the forefront of your mind with whatever you do then. From there, um, I just worked out how I could do it. And basically how I did it was train hard. I grew up in Kingaroy. I had no access to, to um, um, like, 
high quality facilities. I just had a footy field, a football, um, a family who supported me with playing junior sport. Um, and then I had a goal to play for the Broncos. So I just trained my backside off from a young age, just doing extra work on the field, mainly running in that when I was younger. As I got to be 13 and 14, I started to do gym. If only that running just, had come in just, handy against Sam Rapira. Yeah, that's oh. right. Yeah, exactly. I was gas. I was, I was tired. Oh, I was aiming at a player. <laughs> and he was off the bench and, and yes. at a fast yes, He was, fast literally, yeah, he was literally fresh legs. I covered this, remember, before the start. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, nah, yeah, so I just encourage them to train hard and, and follow your dream and then work out how you're going to do it. Um, and that's basically all I did. I, I worked hard. I, I did everything right. I tried to have a really good diet, tried to have um, the best um, physical shape I could, practiced all my skills, and that, that was basically it. Then the, the roads led me to the Broncos, and that led me to Manly. And that led you to two um, grand finals? That's <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was it. And that was and a just, Queensland rep. Yeah, so so in all that, I just reckon that if you have a dream of playing, you can, you can do it, and then you just got to find a way to do it and, and back yourself. 